And then when I like realize that being gay isn't weird or like out of the, out of the ordinary, what up? Shout out to the gays listening right now. This one's for you. <laughs> then, then I think my often authentic self kind of like really took shape. It was less of a performance um, and was more of like, no, this is like who I am. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start their journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Hello everybody, welcome to the show this week. It's my pleasure to bring to you a, a new series. I'm going to be interviewing musicians. I think musicians occupy a unique space in our culture where they're given permission to be more expressive than the normal person. And I think that's really interesting and I wanted to explore it. So my guest this week is a good friend, Michael, who goes by the stage name, Michael Incognito. He's a recording artist out of Brooklyn, New York. Someone who is, as you will see, have a a great personality and a musician himself. So we get to talk through kind of some of the nuances of how, you know, being in and around music influenced him growing up, the kind of takeaways for other people about what music can provide as far as quality of life and an avenue for expression. Really great conversation, a lot of humor and a lot of meaningful insights as well. Go check out Michael's music, Michael Incognito, wherever you stream your music. And a massive thank you to him for coming on the show. Enjoy. And we're live, Michael, you legend. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to myself, but also thanks for having me on. Yes, dude. Thank you so much for for hopping on the podcast, man. I am honored that you're going to be the first guest in the musician series. This is a something I've been thinking about doing with the podcast for a long time. So thank you for your time as well. Yeah. I'm very excited to be here. Honored to be the first, um, to be your first, you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to chat about it. And I feel like creatively I've been in somewhat of a rut. So this, I'm excited to to chat through music and life and all things um, that have to do with that. So right on, man. So when I first, you know, we met through mutual friends that became yeah. family and, you know, ha- have a kind of a, a longstanding relationship. But yeah, you know, when I met you, you were kind of fronting a more traditional like alt rock band. Was that, is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then where are you at now with your, with your music? Yeah, I, um, I'm currently working on a solo project under the name of, Michael Incognito, which is actually my mom's maiden name. Um, so I was like, I'm absolutely going to take this. Um, my dad took it really well. So thank you, Fred. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that and then kind of just putting a lot of energy into creatively sort of like what the next step is for that project. And a lot of the music is written and done. I just have to figure out rollout and all that fun stuff. Um, and then I'm also, uh, working, I got a new job in April. So just trying to find the balance. And then I just moved to Greenpoint in, in Brooklyn and I just turned 26. So like, like I'm just trying to figure everything else out in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for you, the music is, you know, it's central, but also you have a lot of other things going on. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've been doing it my entire life in one capacity or another, I've always had music, the thread of it, like going through my life, 
writing and being in a band is something that's a little more, um, I guess, relatively new to my experience. I really started songwriting in like high school, but you know, kind of just giving it a go and seeing what works. Um, but wrote like real original quote unquote songs, um, my senior year of high school. And then prior to that, I was doing predominantly like theater and chorus. So as a kid, I mean, I think the first show I did, I was in second grade at Catholic school and <laughs> yeah, that kind of just like kicked it off. And then I'd just been doing theater. I did it all the way through high school and then college. I bound up doing more traditional or I guess it's rather untraditional band stuff and then kind of letting theater take a backseat. But the roots of theater and chorus are always in everything I do. We keep the drama there for sure at all times. (laughs) (laughs) Did you grow up in a musical household? Yes. To a degree. I think I grew up listening to a lot of music um, Mm. and my parents were really, really, encouraging when it came to like the things that I wanted to do that had to do with music. I have the privilege of them driving me around constantly and letting me be a crazy kid and going to these crazy long rehearsals and dropping off food and and all that. But I think the real root of my music appreciation definitely comes from my dad and listening to a lot of like Motown records as a kid, like the Temptations and the Supremes a lot of the Beatles, obviously I feel like that's such a typical answer, but we still love them. And then it kind of like shifted a little bit. And then when I got a little older, like maybe elementary school, like in the era of like iPod color, if that gives everyone <laughs> a reference of time, um, that's how I'm going to say all the, the timestamps is which iPod or <laughs> Apple product I'm using at the time. Um, so iPod color, my sister then introduced me to John Mayer and that was like a huge influence for like a period in time say what you want about yeah because yeah. you were rocking the acoustic right for a long time so long yeah because nice. it also just like is that thing like it's quieter you know what i mean you don't need an amp when you don't have yeah. a lot of money yeah but yeah that's kind of very much a lot of my dad like i have a really vivid memory of listening to band on the run by paul mccartney like driving to the jersey shore that's kind of like that's a great that's yeah. a great memory <laughs> it is yeah yeah, man. I my motivation for kind of creating this little sub track of the podcast is just because I love music so much, and it's yeah. it's something that's kind of like mystical to me almost. It's the way that it can transverse language, it can transverse time, it can be a song written in a different language, yeah. decades ago, and strike me so powerfully. And the way it ties into the theme of the podcast is that I think it gives people a permission to be very expressive as far as the artist and the listener. Right. Cause yeah, you know, society kind of, we only have these like very select outlets where we're allowed to be really super expressive, right? Like imagine like a football tailgate, people going crazy or in a concert freaking out in the, in the, in the crowd and mosh pitting or whatever. So that to me is just fascinating. Like what is it about music that we've all kind of like subconsciously accepted as like, okay, this thing is okay for for us to be, yeah, expressive is the word. Yeah. I, I I just pictured like a literal like 16 piece orchestra um playing at a like a Eagles tailgate and like that being the the music and like how that would look and, and feel. <laughs> I think I think even to create that space, I think such an important part of that is like finding a community of of music listeners that are like you. Yeah, true. And I, I don't mean people that like the same things. I think the biggest thing 
going to school in the city and like being around a lot of people from different countries and different cultures. That's like really when a lot of new music was kind of thrown at me. Um, and I think for a lot of the years, there's like the, the word here is like pretension around the types of music that you listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think I definitely fell, um, into the trap of like feeling a pretension around music and being like, I know the best things. And like, I know the coolest artists. And I think right. when that is, is present, then you really do lose a lot of that expression. Cause then it's a contest of who knows, you know, the deepest cut or whatever it is. And then I think over time I sort of realized music is, I think we have a tendency to like possess it and it's like our thing, but it's also more importantly, it should be shared. And I think that's when my, you know, indie asshole personality, um, kind of like started melting away. And then I was just introduced to like all these crazy things. And I've had the opportunity to work with artists from all around the world in Japan and Mongolia and England. I've gotten really into like French music recently. And I, I don't know. I think the thing with music, right? It's like, it's something else is, is, is being delivered to you, right? So you don't have to really think. It's more of like, how do you, how do you, how do you react? So it's less of having to think in real mm-hmm. time. Like it's more of taking it in rather than giving it out. And I think that's a really big part of why people maybe feel a little more expressive is because it's not as much work and they can kind of, you know, just sit back and see how it makes them feel. I think that's a big part of it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because it can be very passive or it can be really active. Like especially with live music, I I like to like challenge myself and try to figure out, identify each of the different chords and, yeah. and identify, oh, which sound is coming from which instrument. And when I actually try, there's a lot of times when I listen to a song and I'm like, I have no idea what instrument is making yeah. that noise. Like, what yeah. is that? I mean, I feel like the, the classic thing is like, everyone's like, I like all types of music except country, metal, and rap. And it's like, okay, like that is like so degrading because... I don't listen to country actively, but like, damn, some of these people are really pulling shit out. Like it sounds really, really good. And I think, um, I would challenge anyone listening to this podcast to either like go see a show from an artist that you've literally never listened to, but go with someone that you, that likes them. I think that definitely helps. But like I've over the years gone to like metal shows and I've gone to. I haven't gone to a country show. Um, I'm yeah. down if anyone wants to take me. Um, I mean, I went to your show, which is like the biggest leap ever. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe boy, absolutely not. But I think, I think that, um, I mean, live music is, is the shit. It's everything yeah, that matters yeah. to me. And it's, it, it's the reason that I, that I still want to be in music. And like, yeah. I think that is just, oh my gosh. Okay. Let's best. talk about that. Let's, let's yeah. go to that. Like, what about, describe to me specifically, what is it about live music? Cause there might be people listening who have never developed that passion. Yeah. For live music. I, I think it, I, I had a teacher, a professor rather, um, freshman year of college. And we had like an intro to music business class. Cause I studied music business at NYU. And I just remember him like, uh, you know, he, he tried to be very dramatic and like came in and like wrote a quote on the board and it was like, whatever. Um, and he was like, you know, <laughs> in, in six months, like, a quarter of this class is going to be gone because a lot of people do drop out or like whatever the case is, but I'll never forget. He, his one piece of advice was just go see as much live music as possible. Like go to as many shows as you possibly can. And I really, really took that to heart. It was like my, 
you know, I, I go to this school in this city where there's live music every night. There's multiple shows everywhere and every borough and every type of genre. Um, and I kind of just like really went to, I mean, like oh, sophomore year. I'm not even joking. I think I was going to four to five shows a week, like just constantly. And I think. It's, it, I feel like it is a very typical answer, but it is that, like that connection between the audience and, and person. Uh, I, mm-hmm. it's funny. I talk about pretension with music. I'm like such a snob when it comes to live shows. Like I'm very specific about like what I want to see. And that doesn't mean sonically or like visually. It's more of like, what do I want to get out of this experience? Which is maybe a little selfish on my part, but I'm also a performer. So I think I figured it out that way, yeah. but. What are those characteristics? It has to be a personal connection. Like I hate shows where the artist doesn't talk at all. Like I want to hear, you know, it doesn't have to be excitement, but is it like pain that you want to express? Just like, I want full emotion. I want to understand where someone is at when they're up on that stage. I do love movement. I think movement is very important. That can be something it's like so contradictory, but I think stillness can be a really beautiful form of movement. If that, if that makes sense, like I'm not even stoned <laughs> saying that, but I think sometimes it's like, it's a like presence, I guess rather is maybe the word that I'm looking for. Like I am really, really sensitive to like someone that has a presence. And I don't think that necessarily has to mean over the top and super enthusiastic, but like you can go to a slower show and see someone that just absolutely you know, stuns you. I think there's an artist, Moses Sumney, if you're familiar, um, out of Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I saw him in Prague, uh, you know, some arm movement, but like the way you could, like, he was just pouring himself into it. And I think that was so palpable and it made the audience so invested, right? Like it's investment because people are spending time and money and, you know, you, you hit like a certain point and then it's like, there's an agent involved and a manager and you have to like sell these tickets, like do this show and it's got to be this big thing. You got to like, you know, you always got to play a bigger venue the next time and the next time and the next time. And I think the ability to like, forget all of that, that was kind of all over the place. And maybe I'm speaking from the lens of working in music, but it's connection presence. I think movement of some sort and just like pure feeling Added yeah. a little body sweat and like I don't know some fucking huge speakers <laughs> and like yeah it's a sick shot some some cigarette smoke and then we're business definitely some cigs probably a couple brews maybe a shot of tequila or two and then we have the best show in the world absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that that does get into the kind of the dark side of it a lot of these arts right so Hollywood think about has all these dark sides music business obviously with record labels and how they take the music rights of from artists and even yeah, like I read a book about the fine art world and how it's basically become collecting fine art has just become a way for the mega rich to store cash in these arts. And it propels the, the art beyond it's what it's actually valued at. And it becomes like kind of like real estate. Like it's just an investment. It's an asset, yeah, and that changes, yeah, yeah. you know, pushes back on the artist and, and how they create their art because now it's not even about it as much. Yeah. So f- for you, you know, knowing like the dark side of it and how, how the finances can get messy and kind of it, it, it lo- it, from what I've gathered, it loses some of that original kind of intent and that purity, if you will. So for you as someone who's kind of been in the, 
you're in that like middle zone where like you yeah. you have a professional presence and you play real gigs and you make you know professional quality music, but you also have a a day job. And so yeah. for you, like, what's your timeline with it? Do you want to keep it where it is, or would you actually pursue something bigger if it if it was possible? Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to tour the world and be a live musician that like only records and writes. I think mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, like I was saying, it's kind of finding that balance. I think like the last three months I've just been so, so busy. So I did all this writing and I was really, really working on everything. And then everything kind of had to go like on pause. Cause I just had to do all this stuff um, for life, whether it be, you know, family things or trips or whatever the case is. Um, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I have another song coming out this month and then I have like four or five songs in in the pipeline i think i need to yeah i would love to see it go bigger and better in 2022 and kind of just like embrace the brand and the personality and and the music even more i don't think i get to write as much but i was talking to a friend once who i used to work with and said a really scary thing to me and it and he was like you know you've got till 30 and then at that point it does like you can't really do it and i think for like a year or two, like it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, it, like it really is counting it down, but I, I don't think that's a great thing to subscribe to. And I think there's artists that are incredible testaments to that. I think music is music. If it's good and your brand is strong and you like stick by what you're singing and performing, I don't think it has to get done by a certain age. I just think the appeal of, of, I do think you need to shift the way that you brand yourself a little bit or, the way that you present yourself for sure. I don't know. But you're not, yeah. but you're, you're not like off put by the potential for that slimy side of the business. No, I think, I mean, I'm like a, a white dude. I'm not like I am a white dude. So I think even in that slimy side, um, I'm very much at, at the upper echelon, which is really shitty. And I, we can say things are changing. I hope they are in the sector of music that I work in. I think there's some differences and we're, we're getting there or we'll never stop. You know, there's no end point, but um, making some progress. But mm-hmm. I think I, I've, I've really, I feel like I've seen both sides. Like I've seen artists that really have like a shitty label or shitty manager or like, like it, it's just, it doesn't seem fun. And then I've seen people that have like incredible teams and like managers and agents and labels that really care about them. Um, and so I think it is, the reason I'm not so scared about it is because I think I just have some exposure uh, to both sides and a little bit of education in terms of like, what does a, a like successful or like a happy journey look like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's great. Yeah. And let's drill down on that. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, we talk about a lot on the podcast, but in, and I think this idea has been pretty well socialized just about how like us as white dudes, the experience we have, the barriers or lack of barriers we face is going to be different than a woman or a person of color potentially. But you know, in in this specific context, like what would that be for you? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like easier to get shows or like, you don't have to sexualize your performance necessarily, or or what are those differences you think? I, uh, I I think it's everything, right? Like, it's like, I think just, I can stand up on a stage and do what I want. And the first thing people think about isn't the color of my skin. It's the performance. I, 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 I just think I have less of barriers in life, which is, is obviously, um, 
is, is just a tough thing to sit with. Um, but working towards that, I think in, in the present and what we can do as white men and me specifically as a white musician is just find ways to, to lift up women and people of color and like, Think about how many people just don't have the resources to record music or to play a show or don't have money to like buy an instrument or like book out a recording studio for eight hours. Like, you know, there's, there's, I think with social media, the length of the wire from mic to the speaker has gotten a lot smaller, if that makes sense. Like you do have yeah. a platform kind of built in. I, I think when nice it comes music to music analogy. So, yeah. Right. Um, that sucked, but I, I think. Something that I really try to do, obviously go out and like buy music from these people and like from these artists and like buy their merch and like see their show and support them monetarily. I think because social media where I work or like what I do is, is social media. I think it, it seems like it, it's something really, really small and, and it's not, it, it's, it's not a, a solution, but I do find that fine black, brown, queer, all types of people find artists like that online and like interact with them, like follow them, comment on their things, share their stuff to your story, like share it with your friends because it's an algorithm. And the more interaction they get and the more like profiles are hitting, people are receptive to that. And by people, I mean people that will pay for things for you to do, AKA labels and all that shit, which you don't need, but it definitely helps in a lot of ways. Most yeah. That makes sense. Really. Yeah, but I think that's, that's something. Yeah, then yeah. that's cool because it like it's actionable, right? Like you said, it's not it's not like a solution, but no. it's something that can be done really easily, and especially for people like us that have a lot of white people in our circles, get get them to their eyeballs, right? And that's kind of the whole concept yeah. is like, you know, we have access to these spaces that, you know, our our black friends or you know women who didn't go to the Catholic. I, th- yeah. I don't know about your high school. My high school, for example, Catholic boys high school, like don't have exposure yeah. to that Hell network no. necessarily. Too, yeah. Too gay for that. Yeah. <laughs> or, maybe not, or maybe not gay enough, but yeah. 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 <laughs> not really sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know either, man. Yeah. Know. yeah. No, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's good, man. So, cause you, you know, when I met you and to this day, you know, you have this incredible confidence and you have this expressive nature and yeah. like, we'll see, you know, the guests will see you in the thumbnail. Yeah. You know, that, you're, you're, yeah. It's like, I'm you're, picking this photo. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it. The gay Tony you Soprano. Yeah. I'm yeah. The gay Tony Soprano. Yeah. Gay Tony's on the pod. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. So do you think music helped you come to be more comfortable with that expression? Cause that's a lot of things too. I think that's kind of interesting as, as you know, queer identity has become more mainstream. Yeah. Um, although trans identity is not trans is not, which is another thing that a different thing about like, that's a very different topic, but anyway, yeah. gay has become like mainstream. Like all these companies are having yeah. rainbow logos. Wait, that's literally the title of the episode is gay is mainstream. Love that. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> gay is mainstream for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, like did that music identity help you with that experience? Cause I'm oh, sorry. The, the whole thesis that I thought was like, because as it's becoming more more mainstream, I think a lot of people perhaps don't know about like the pain and the real challenges of coming out for a lot of people. Yeah, and this is something I've only observed, obviously, as a straight guy. But yeah, from my people who are queer, 
you know, there's a lot of complications with that. So, so where did, how did music fit into this whole narrative for you? Yeah, I I have one of like my earliest memories and I'm going to tie this into music. So everyone buckle up. If you're driving, take a breath. (laughs) I think one of my earliest memories is my dad came back from Cancun. My uncle had a timeshare down there or something. And they got my sister like this little dress for her to wear. And then I decided to put it on, um, which is funny. I don't know where that dress is. And of course, like the white man bringing back the little dress for his daughter. But um, regardless, <laughs> that dress meant a lot to me. That dress really meant a lot to me. And I just remember like running around the house wearing it and like feeling like just like seeing the fabric rustle and like ruffle, sorry. And like everything, I don't know, just that feeling. I think that that specific feeling is something that I tried to get back to through music. I think I was a kid. I didn't really know, like, you know, you're so young, like sexuality, like isn't in your brain yet necessarily. You haven't been conditioned too much, probably a little bit, but not too much. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always just try to go back to that, like simplicity of life where you can kind of just put on a dress and feel good. But I think for a lot of years, it was, a tool for me to hide behind and like was something that I was, I used cause it was like, well, I'm not openly out, but people know me as a music kid. And that's when I can be a little more flamboyant because it's like, eh, like, you know, he's just playing music, but that he like, that's him. He's a music kid. And I think for a lot of years, I really did sit back on that and like rely on it. And then I think when I got to school, you know, and was around not just a, the same person, like high school's, the high school that I went to was a lot of the same people. Um, I think then I started realizing that it doesn't have to be something to hide behind and like really can actually be something that like kicks you in the ass and makes you go even further. And I think over the years, and I'm still like building on it, but I think over the years um, I've just learned to like let music be a tool for me to like really express myself all the way through this most recent photo shoot. Um, for the first song I put out called how it is was like, you know, very Italian, but like leggings and high heels and like only underwear on and like a shirt. And I got my full face of makeup. And then I don't know when this pod's coming out, but the next song that's out on the 21st is like white boots, jock strap, like tool skirt, like pigtails, like nipple tassels and like a, a corsage and all those things. I think, it truly was the first time that I felt the closest to that little kid, like putting that on and being like, I feel so good and I feel so incredible. And this is something that I want all of my music to be centered around, like this feeling of that um, convoluted answer. But yeah. <laughs> so, so it has been integral. It sounds like. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. I played sports as a kid too. Like I, I did football, I did lacrosse, I swam, played basketball. Um, and I like, wasn't bad at any of them. So let the record show. <laughs> I was on the starting squad lacrosse sixth grade, but <laughs> when else? Up, yeah. Right. Um, I never cracked the A team. Yeah. It's left attack. If anyone was wondering. Um, but I think when else do you get to like, dress up and be somebody else for a minute than not doing like it all goes back to theater but like to be able to be a kid and like have someone be like we're gonna put makeup on you because it's gonna make you look better on stage and like i was like oh okay like you're not made fun of like you know what i mean like 
you get to mm-hmm. wear crazy outfits and you just get to be someone else. Um, I would really in, like encourage anyone, regardless of age or anything, to like go dress up or like go to a costume store with someone and try a bunch of shit on. Don't buy anything and then leave. Like, who cares? Um, just go. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah, right? like, You don't have to buy anything. Yeah, just, like, try on trying a bunch I mean, of stuff. You, you remember in Denver, I wore the wig out that one night. Okay, and how incredible was it? It was the most it was, fun. It was awesome. It was so it attracted fun. everyone. Like I everyone think loved it. Everyone yeah. loved it. Gay, straight, he, she, they, them. Everyone was fucking <laughs> vibing. Um, <laughs> I think it was so. Yeah, it, like it, the same way that I don't know. Yeah, wear, go wear wigs out when you go to the bar. That's all. That's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> wear a wig for sure. But yeah, I completely concur on that because this and this comes back to the whole bro nouveau theme yeah of how men are conditioned and it's so you know and i think i've had the very special circumstances of having great role models and great siblings in front of me who i learned not to give give a shit from because yeah you know i i learned that you know the again like content of characters is what people should be evaluated on. Yeah. 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 And then for me also, I think it came from like from playing sports, particularly rugby for so long. Like I just have that confidence of like, dude, like you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to ruffle my feathers and like intimidate me because I go out and do this thing that gives me this confidence. So that has like translated back to my personal life of being like, yeah, like, (laughs) <laughs> i'll do some weird i'll do some weird shit you'll wear a, you'll wear a speedo and i'll like, wear the you speedo know, you know i don't breakfast. care i think you're like really a rare case though um and it's funny because the people that we were with were like what are you doing and i was like yeah hell yeah i was like come out naked like who cares you know and i've also I, put myself in, in that environment in in the bay area obviously yeah, like well, that's like every, everyone's in that environment in the bay area. <laughs> 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 i've never been but so i've heard you know, I I only went to therapy. Like I only started going to therapy. Uh, I think I was 22. And prior to that, I think I hadn't really had any, you know, besides the conversations with friends or peers or, uh, you know, the, the queer people I had the pleasure of meeting in college, uh, whether that be in New York or elsewhere, I hadn't really like dove too deep into my own. Um, and that really sort of was when I realized like how much internalized homophobia I do have. Yeah. And it's really, really tough. I think, I don't know, man, like I could talk about this for like ever and ever and ever and ever. And I think something that I'm having a really difficult time with right now is that community of people finding a spot for myself within it. I mean, the queer community, Mm -hmm. like where do I belong? And then I think also fostering my own communities it's weird to see friends from high school sometimes. And like, I'm not the same person that I like that I am. And like, you know, I kind of, I want to be unabashedly gay and like, I like who I am, which is crazy. (coughs) Excuse me, which took a couple of years, but I don't know. I think similar to you, I grew up, both my parents are from New Jersey and grew up in Jersey city and union city. And I think the mentality that I always grew up with was just like, very much that. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're unfamiliar with the New Jersey mentality, it's pretty wild. You just don't really give a fuck. <laughs> and I think for me, it just, it, it, it's sad. It really was a defense mechanism for like a really, really, really long time. It was just, 
the same way that you say you can't ruffle my feathers, I think I would say that to people and like act that way. But like internally, I definitely wasn't feeling that or um, really believing it. Um, and then I think over time, I it's man, like I just hang out with the people I want to hang out with that make me feel really, really good and like mm-hmm. lift me up. And that's the most important thing. And I, over the years, have just started to like ingest more queer culture, um, whether that be, you know, queer podcasts or queer artists or reading queer literature or queer history. Cause that's, that's actually really important too. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that it's just normalizing it. And then when I like realized that being gay isn't weird or like out of the, out of the ordinary, um, what up? Shout out to the gays listening right now. This one's for you. <laughs> Then, then I think my often authentic self kind of like really took shape. Like it was less of a performance um, and was more of like, no, this is like who I am. So. Sure. And yeah, so I feel like that's to kind of center it back to the music yeah. thing is like, it, it's a safe haven for the people who need it. It's a, a safe channel of expression for maybe the people on the straighter end who have never, or yeah. the super closeted end who have never, had that avenue to express and be silly and be light and not give a shit what anybody else thinks. So it is this incredible situation, you know? Yeah. I think it's so funny. I feel like you talk to so many people that are openly out of the closet um, or have accepted their gender identity or sexuality, whatever it's going to be. And like, I feel like everyone has one memory of an artist they used to listen to as a kid Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is just gay men and being like, I used to love Britney Spears or like I was a huge fan of, of Lady Gaga or like Celine Dion or like mm-hmm. all these things. Like I can remember being a little kid listening to Ricky Martin who is not, who's gay. And I think the connection of like music and the realization of, of oneself is, is really interesting. And like to suppress it and then realize it later, you're like, Oh my God. And I'm, I'm like, like I loved Britney Spears lucky. Like that song meant a lot to me as a kid. And I can act out the video. Like I know it. it's one of my favorite songs. And now I'm like, yeah, of course I'm a flaming homosexual. Not that straight people can't like Britney Spears is lucky. It's a seminal work. It's absolutely incredible. Um, free Britney. Maybe I'm the first one to say it on this pod, but, um, but yeah, I think it, it, I love those moments being like, Oh yeah. Like I used to listen to that all the time. Yeah, man. And that that's what I want to like just share with the straight audience. My yeah, specifically like young straight guys, my yeah. age and my own demographic is like, I've personally found a lot of value and beautiful expression and beautiful feeling just being in that kind of environment where it's like, nobody gives a shit what you're into or to what I'm into. Right. Like, you know, if I'm in San Francisco, yeah. Hanging with my gay buddies, like they're not bothered that I'm straight and they don't really give a shit what I think about them being gay. It's like, yeah, they're just having a good time and it, it frees everybody up. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting parallel to the music concept of how it's like what happens when we let people be themselves. Whoa. A lot more poppers. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't <laughs> take that however you want to take it. I, oh my God. Bruh, I feel like you gotta go all the way back to the beginning, right? It's like right when a Bruh. baby comes out. It's like that's, <laughs> oh that's yeah, it's like that's when we let's stop conditioning people 
but that's it's just the nature of life and survival. There's a lot of messed up things with it, but what happens when we just let people be themselves? It's funny. It's like it, it isn't just letting people be themselves. We literally have to like encourage people to be themselves. Exactly. It, it, yeah. Like everyone needs like as humans, we like need the affirmation of like yes. what we're doing is okay, or yes. like you know inherently. I think even the most confident or like like narcissists even freaking need affirmation. Like I, I think it's just a fact of life and that's something that takes time to overcome, like not relying on other people's opinions so much, but I don't know. Like you're, I, I it's so interesting to have this conversation with you. Cause I think you are such a rare uh, situation. Like you grew up in, in a house with like really, really incredible women and other queer family members. And I think for you, it's normal. Like, you know, it has been normalized and this mm-hmm, is something mm-hmm. you don't see a gay man every, you know, three weeks or like interact closely. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people true do only see queer people. Like not everyone's living in New York or, you know, even some of my family members, like they're not interacting on a personal level, like day to day with, with, with queer people right. or people of color or women, <laughs> you know? And that's like, I think that's where a lot of, problem stem and it's obviously just th- th- it it feels very very like out of the normal for i think a lot of people to like the worst thing please don't ever say to gay people like i'm cool with you being gay like i actually really don't care like you know i don't care like i'm cool yeah. i'm cool with it like the fact that you literally have to say you're cool with it probably means you're not cool with it yeah. and you're telling yourself and you need me to affirm you and tell yeah. you that i'm also cool with you being cool with me being gay. <laughs> Dude, you, yeah. I, had, I had parallel cringe moments with the black people in my life last year. Wait, you know, were you were saying it to them or you found all Yeah, uh, just like trying to express like solidarity and it just being like so just stop. It, it, yeah, because it's <laughs> like and like it's a learning you. lesson. Like, it's a learning lesson. It's, it's okay. a learning lesson. You know, Absolutely. last week I had John Jonathan Dumont, he's he's a, a DNI um, specialist and, and he his whole thing was like with any of these tough conversations is try make a mistake learn from it try again you what know, is this like I? uh diversity and inclusion oh got it got it okay. yeah he's like a consultant in his whole that's his whole business um got it yeah and so it's and, and if any of these tough conversations right it's like just try make it authentic, yeah. you know, you get the feedback like you're saying right now, like you don't need to tell me that if it's authentic, like your energy and your vibe will communicate it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, listen, like I still sometimes have a hard time being in a room with, with all gay men and like, I'm a gay man. Um, like right, it's right. just not something that I'm so like used to or, yeah. um, is like letting me, like again, that's that's why, and this was a, an active conversation I had in therapy was was normalizing queer culture, and that's why I follow these accounts, and that's why I listen to these podcasts, and that's why I do these things because again, it's it's not a solution, but every day I see four photos of men in jock straps and like you know asshole like, 
whatever it's whatever's within the parameters of instagram yeah um, however far you know and every yeah. monday i listen to my podcast obsessed with, with which is with the comedian benny drama who's gay and then i listen to lost culture on my wednesdays um nice which is two gay men um and i think it is just if if someone wants to become more comfortable maybe i'm only speaking truly from the queer lens of of things um maybe not so much the other social issues um but what i really always try to do is just like immerse yourself in the culture of all things of that i think it's a lot easier to go into situations with at least a base understanding of how the culture functions i don't think you need to be an expert but like you can listen to one yeah. gay podcast and gay men will tell you they don't want you to ask them. So if you're listening to this podcast, good for you. You're one step closer. But just things like that, right? Like making it normal and making it an everyday thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Amen, brother. Dude, well, yeah. let's pivot over where the, the time is flying. So oh we'll God. do a quick music, musician-related uh, question, rapid fire. Let's and then we'll it. pivot over <clears throat> to the, the, the three things game. Cool. What is your, who's your favorite mainstream musician? I, I just saw Post Malone. So that's fresh in my mind. Post Malone. Mainstream, mainstream, mainstream. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Favorite underground musician. She is about to pop off, but Arlo Parks. Favorite instrument to play. Favorite instrument to play. Like truly the craziest sense. And I need somebody else to touch the buttons. I just want to play the keys. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Favorite instrument to listen to acoustically love a piano both both to play and listen hell yeah yeah okay favorite venue favorite venue in the world or in new york <laughs> well obviously your world is new york so. okay yeah i mean i've I've had the 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 privilege of going <laughs> to a couple of other venues in other places um no no yeah, I, in, the world, in the world in the world in the world ah Radio cities is, is is incredible. I've seen a lot of shows that have blown my brain. Nine Inch Nails, James Blake, Maggie Rogers. Um, but smaller, I am a huge fan of Music Hall of Williamsburg. I think it's incredible. Okay, and last last one, favorite musical. Oh, favorite musical. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say Phantom of the Opera only because it was like the first one that I saw. Nope, it was Lion King, but um, I love <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. But favorite, I have only seen a school production of it. Um, is Spring Awakening. Oh, nice. Which is incredible. Never, never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duncan Sheik is the... I think he wrote all the music. Yeah. You know Matt Duncan, the artist? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he rips. Unrelated. I were, yeah, I thought you were going to be like, and he's the next guest on the podcast. I was gonna be yeah, like, that, that would have been a nice... Matt, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, three things game. So we each get one question. And okay. uh, yeah, we, we answer different questions. What What month is your birthday in? Uh, my birthday was this past Sunday, October 3rd. Fire, dude. Happy birthday. Thank you. I also just turned 26. I'm only a few months older than you. Wait, are we the same age? Yeah, for sure. Wait, Tom, that trips me out. What? In my brain, you're 29. Like, like you're just older. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes... Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to think about that yeah, one for the next 15 re- minutes. <laughs> re- reset the... Uh, the brainwaves. Yeah. Okay, here's my question. Uh, what are three things I have learned about respect? Man, okay. I feel like respect is a W. Like, I don't know. I'll, I'll go a quick answer. Usually I, I go on these, I get on a soapbox for these questions, but... Yeah. So if you think of the W shape, or I guess it's just the V. So like, first thing is that like it's easy to 
give for me. Like I, I, I ideally respect everybody up front, right? Like when I meet I someone, I, I want to give them the respect of your time. Yeah. Time seeing them and exactly. Honoring cool. them, whatever. Like, yeah. You're yeah. cool. You're cool. So it's kind of parallel to trust. Number two would be like pretty easy to lose respect for people. Like 39%. It's like are there are certain certain things. Yeah, like if you do, if you do, you know, and the third thing would be like it's possible to gain it back, but it's going to be a slower process potentially. You know, again, again, like trust oh, with someone, wow, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like you know, that. like it's possible because I feel like forgiveness is a really important thing. As is second chances. We're all we all make mistakes, that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like that's that's my that's my quick answer for for once. Okay. Okay. What's your question? What is mine? I'm freaking out. My question is, what are three things you would like to share with your younger self? Oh my God. Um, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do like two like tender ones and then one like absolutely wild one. Three things I want to share with my younger self. Dude, shit. This is really difficult. Go to the clothing stores with your mom when she's buying you clothes. Um, <laughs> and don't let her get, don't let her let you get a bowl cut. I think that's one thing. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you, mom, though, for everything. You dressed me really well for a lot of years. To learn to be alone with yourself, I think that's something that I didn't... I think I'm still working with it. Um, just, like, truly being alone and, like, being content and being able to sit still and relax and slow down. And look at gay one. porn. Yeah, look at gay porn way sooner. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. That's the... God awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you, did you like avoid it intentionally or was it just, you yeah. Just oh, like, yeah. 39% intentionally. I like, I remember. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah, man. man. That's, <laughs> that's, no, it's all good. We made up. up. We made up for it. You yeah. made up for it. <laughs> yeah. Now you have, you have a few of your own pornos, right? Oh my God. No, just kidding. <laughs> Guys, stop it. Stop. I mean, I, to some degree, my, my Instagram is a soft porn. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's an acceptable one for sure. It's a good thing my, my podcast is already in the explicit rating before your thumbnail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank God this is the end of the podcast. If you're still here with us, DM me. I've got, I've got things to tell you. Awesome, man. Michael, where can the, the people find your music? and your your content and all the, the beautiful things you're creating. The beautiful things. My Instagram is allergic to cats, at allergic to cats, spell it out, all lowercase. That's my central hub of content. Um, you can listen to my music on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Um, I did a music video where I fully recreated the opening sequence of The Sopranos with the help of other friends. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, and then I have a new song coming out October 21st called Where We Left Off. And... I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Dude, well, thank you so much for modeling healthy communication and sharing your story. I love you too, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Peace.